Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Happy Mother's Day. Come on, happy Mother's Day. Um, I want to just give you a little history on, on Mother's Day for just a moment. If I can uh, go all the way back to the Middle Ages, <laughs> where it became customary to mark the fourth Sunday of Lent as the Mothering Sunday. And those who had moved on and moved away would return to their home church to visit their mothers. Mother's Day, as we know in the U.S., um, exists thanks to a woman from Philadelphia named Anna Jarvis, who in honor of her mother created the Mother's Day Work Club, which provided a place for women to learn about child care strategies. And during the Civil War, it became a force of reconciliation for women on each side. And in May 1908, Anna Jarvis would hold its first Mother's Day service in West Virginia. And then years later, President Woodrow Wilson officially designated it is a national holiday. By the way, Mother's Day is the second largest gift-giving day in the world. The first, Father's Day. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that was upside down. Uh, Father's Day is the last day, according to the statistics. <laughs> um, man, can we honor all the moms of this house? There are all different types of moms in this room. Mothers who have one child, mothers who have multiple children. You know, even mothers who have lost their children, mothers who are soon to be moms, foster moms, grandmothers, great grandmothers. Would all the mothers of this house, would you stand to your feet? Can we put our hands together for them? Come on, can we celebrate them? We honor you. We thank you. We, we, we are so thrilled. All that you do, all the sacrifices that you do, the mothers watching and online, thank you. Thank you. You have the most challenging job. There is um, no skills required there there's no days off there's zero pay and you can't ever quit in fact the most exciting day for for you or the most exciting moment of your day is when you are in the car alone by yourself can I can I get an amen come on I heard it said uh, motherhood is like a fairy tale but in reverse you start out on a beautiful ball gown and you end up in stained rags cleaning up after little people I want to honor my mom today mom where you at Mom, uh, my mom shares the same name as my wife, which is interesting. So, so mom, I, I love you and I thank you. And you are a blessing to this church. You're a blessing to our family. You lead us so well. You've taught us all, not just how to love our spouses, but how to be better men. And so I love you, mom. Thank you for all that you do. I want to honor, I want to honor my wife, Cheryl. My wife is actually serving in kids ministry today, so she can't ever get a break from, from our kids. But uh, we've got three little ones, and I honor my wife, Cheryl. She's amazing. It's like for her, showering is an Olympic sport, right? Everybody's screaming out your name. You're trying to beat the clock, and you never win a medal. Um, but I honor you, Cheryl. I love you. I'm so thankful for you. And, and um, thank you for accepting her and loving her. I want to honor, but you might not hear this all the time, but I want to honor my mother-in-law. Now, my mother-in-law is amazing, Robin. She is incredible. She is an, a great grandmother. She is awesome. She raised an amazing daughter. And so I honor my mother-in-law today. She's a blessing. If, um, if you're a dad in the house, hello. This day is not about us, all right? It's not about you. 
If uh, your wife or your mom, they need you to do something, do it. They need you to change a diaper, change a diaper. They need you to cook dinner tonight, cook dinner. They need you to put the kids to sleep, then put the kids to sleep. And if all they want tonight is a foot rub, a glass of wine, and a bottle of, or, 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 or a bowl of ice cream, then that's what they get. Because they deserve it, right? If there's, any, if there's anybody that understands why some animals eat their young, it's mothers. <laughs> they deserve all of it. If you're, a, if you're a son or a daughter here today, honor your mother. Honor them. In fact, honoring your mother and father is on God's top 10 list of commandments. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, we find that honoring your mother and father is the only command in Scripture that promises a long life as a reward. You want to be blessed? Honor your mom. You want to live a long life? Then honor your mom. If you're still privileged like I am to have my mother still here on this earth, then honor her today. You may not have the best relationship. There may be a lot of pain. There may be a lot of trouble. There may be a lot of confusion. But notice the scripture doesn't necessarily say be her best friend. It says honor her. And so think about how you can honor her today. If you need to text her, if you need to call her, if you just need to show her and show up and remind her that you love her. Church, God will not honor those who will not obey this command right here to honor your father and mother. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. If you want to please God today, then honor and love your mom. Go to Luke chapter 2. I want to share a message today, and I don't think I'll be too long, about, you know, I thought about, man, I could, you know, talk about ways how we can honor our moms today, and, but I felt like the Lord leading me to this passage in Luke chapter 2 about one of the greatest mothers in the Bible. Of course, there are many great mothers in the Bible. I think all the way back to the very beginning in the garden, Eve, who would be the first mother of all living beings. She would pave the way to what maturity would look like. I think about Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who would mother the nation of Israel and would be an incredible example of those who had, have had to wait on God for an act of God. I think about Jochebed. Who's Jochebed? Jochebed's the mother of Moses who would give up her son not just once, but twice, and had to learn how to trust God that God would protect her son that she was giving away. I think about Bathsheba, who would carry the honor of being only one of five women listed in the ancestry of our Messiah. And then I get to Mary, the most honored mother in the scriptures, who would birth the savior of the world, no doubt would experience a lot of shame through that pregnancy, but nevertheless, was a mother and a great example of one at a young age who knew how to submit to the will of God. Maybe you're here thinking, well, what about God? Isn't God our mother too? Well, God at times may describe himself in a mother-like nature because he has some mother-like attributes, but can I tell you, the scripture does not read heavenly mother, it is heavenly father. Could you just imagine if, if the devil was a, was a woman? The scripture would read, resist the devil and she will flee from you. <laughs> But God is our father. I think about Mary's, before I get to the passage, Mary's name, you know, the root of Mary goes all the way back to the, to the name Miriam. Miriam in the Old Testament is the sister of Moses. Can I tell you what Miriam's responsibility was as being the sister of Moses? She was responsible for guarding and watching over God's chosen one, Moses, protecting him from the authorities that sought to kill him. Now fast forward to Mary. What was Mary responsible for? 
she was responsible for protecting and guarding God's chosen one, Jesus, protecting him from the authorities who sought to kill him. Moses would be God's chosen one to free his people from slavery. Jesus would be God's chosen one to free people from sin. In Luke chapter two, we find Mary and Joseph presenting their son Jesus at the temple. If you're with me, go there. I'm gonna start in verse 34. A man by the name of Simeon uh, was there and it had been revealed to Simeon to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord. And so Jesus shows up as a little baby and Simeon holds baby Jesus in his hands and he goes on to say a few things in Luke chapter two, verse 34, read with me. It says, and then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be what? Will be revealed. Notice the, notice the next couple words. And a sword will pierce through your own soul. So Simeon begins to prophesy over this Jesus right here, speaking to Mary, that this child would be rejected, the nation of Israel would stumble over him, that many would experience conviction and then salvation, that he would expose the inmost parts of mankind. But then he takes his approach and he starts looking at Mary and he speaks to Mary and he says, Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul too. You see, Mary needed to know that raising this child, the Messiah, would one, be a great blessing, but it would also be a great burden. And so I wanna speak today briefly on this idea that mothers experience blessings, but they also experience burdens. And my hope is that we would have a greater appreciation for our moms, that we would better understand, understand why we honor our moms, and that all across this world, every time we see a mother who's laboring, who's working, who's serving, who's feeding, that we would say, man, that is a gift from God. And they do a lot of sacrificing. Because here's the truth, men, we'll never understand what it's like to be a woman. We'll never understand what it's like to have birth. We'll never understand what it's like to be pregnant. We'll never understand what it's like when we show up to the house and mom's got two kids wrapped around her ankles, one's feeding from the chest while she's cooking on the stovetop some dinner. For, by the way, an ungrateful husband who's coming home to work late. We'll never understand If you want to have somewhat of a glimpse of what it's like to be a mother, imagine coming home from the hospital with a newborn in diapers while also in diapers. That's what mothers go through. That's what mothers experience. Anybody thankful for the mothers of this house? So let me start with verse 39. And I want you to understand that there's blessings and burdens to this. And I want you to look at what Mary experiences. Luke chapter 2, by the way, I think that... That last thing kind of went over many of your heads. Mothers who, who birth babies out of the hospital uh, often come home in diapers. And I, don't, I won't explain why, but uh, the baby's in diapers and so are they. It says in verse 39, read with me. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. Now, that's a message in itself. Parents, have you done everything that God has required you to do to raise your kids? Have you done everything that God has asked you in the scriptures to do? to raising your kids. It says Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. Now, we're only talking about the first, the first eight days of, of Jesus's life. But yet in those first eight days, they're doing everything that God had required them to do in the first eight days. Some of you, it's been eight years. It's been 18 years. 
and you're still wondering, have I done everything? Do I know what God has required me to do for my son or for my daughter? It says that they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew up and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now, I don't think that there is anything greater than a mother could experience than, than, than understanding that their child is walking in the grace of God. Right, isn't that a blessing to know? Some of you who have been praying, you have been hoping, you have been begging on behalf of God that your children would walk in wisdom, they would become strong, and, they, and, and the favor and the grace of God will rest upon them. If you go back to chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you're about to have a child, and his name's going to be Jesus, and, he, and he's going to be the Messiah. And, and Mary's like, okay, let's do this. Not sure how it's going to happen, but let's do this. And the Spirit says, don't worry about that. I got that figured out. But you are going to raise one who is going to be the son of the Most High. And so Mary knew at that moment that her son was going to be great. And here, here we find now that the child is growing, becoming strong, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God is upon him. If you're a parent in this room, how many of you know that children are a blessing from God? I know we'd rather say they're a burden from God, but they're a blessing from God. In fact, Psalm 127 says children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Many of you have been praying before birth, after birth, years and years and years after birth, hoping that your child would have the favor and the grace of God upon them. Some of you have had words spoken over your children, even in the womb, prophetic words, and here you are years later wondering if that word is going to be true, if that word is going to come into fruition. Some of you have seen that. Some of you have not seen that. But what are you supposed to do as a parent? Let me take you to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which reads, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I think as a parent now of three, I hope and I pray and I beg I say, God, all I want for my kids is to have the grace of God upon their lives. You know, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, one of the greatest things you can do today is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. One of the greatest things you can do for your mom is to say, God, I'm all in. Stop running from him. Stop questioning him. Stop acting like you know it all. Get to your knees and say, Father, I'm sorry for all that I've done. I'm sorry for the sin I've committed. Repent of your sin. Turn to him and walk in obedience. That's the greatest thing that you can do for your mom today. And by the way, where there's a man repentant of sin, odds are there's a, a, there's a grandmother or a mother praying for them. Amen. Come on, how many of you have had mothers and grandmothers praying for you? Some of you got great-great-grandmothers praying for you still to this day, pleading on your behalf that you would be somebody who would be walking with the Lord. Mary gets to experience this. You know, years ago, my older sister and older brother, they've each got four kids who are now getting into their teenage years. I can recall uh, days where they would send us a long text message. And, you know, anytime you receive a long text message, you've got to, like, sit down, prepare yourself, you know, pour a glass of water, and, okay, like, let's, let's read this, this uh, essay that somebody has sent me. And um, many, many times, uh, at least a few times now, we've experienced these text messages were praise reports of their children stepping into a relationship with Jesus for the first time. 
and they're celebrating it. And they're, they're taking pictures and saying like, this is my son who's nine or my daughter who's 10 has just accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Parents, can I remind you, the trophies don't matter. The achievements don't matter. None of that success matters. The only thing that matters to God is your children walking with the Lord. Do I have any parent or mother out here that knows like that is the greatest thing that I've received when my children were walking with the Lord? That's all that we pray for, Cheryl and I. Every single night we put our kids to sleep. We drag them by the ear, throw them in bed, you know, sometimes. But we pray over them. We make sure that we do what we're supposed to do. And we pray over them. Sometimes forcefully, you know. But we pray for them. And we say a couple of things very specifically. And one, of them that we, one thing that we say is that our kids would come to know Jesus at an early age. My son's five. At eight years old is when I gave my heart to the Lord. He's five. And I don't know when that age of, of, of you know, the appropriate age is. But I'm not going to wait until he's a teenager. I'm not going to wait because now is the time. We have to be praying for our children at a young age. 6% statistics say of people who step into a relationship with Jesus are over the age of 18. 6%, which means 94% are coming to Jesus below the age of 18. Are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for the kids in our kids' ministry? Are you praying for the kids in your neighborhood? I know you call the cops on them a lot, but do you pray for them as much? Do you pray for them more? Because at that age, that's when we got to get them. What a blessing it is to know that our children are walking with the Lord. And I think Mary here is saying, man, I'm so thankful. What she's experienced is a blessing that her child, Jesus, is walking in the ways of the Lord. The second thing, I really got two things for you. The second thing is that he's excelling in the giftings that God has given them. Look at verse 41. It says, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the, the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. You, you ever been driving on the road and talking to your kids in the back and you realize that one of them's missing? <laughs> I know it's a horrible thing, but I, I was there. Mom, you remember? I was stuck at home as they drove to church. And me as a little boy, I don't know how old I was, looking out the window thinking, is mom ever going to come back home? And I think she did, right? You did. You, came, you turned back around after about a couple hours, right? She came home. I was, I don't know, maybe six. I was grilling steak. I said, mom, I got this. I got this. But I couldn't imagine what Mary and Joseph are experiencing now because they were unaware and they were looking for him. It says in verse 44, they thought he was in their company. And so they traveled on for a day, a whole day. And then they, so, so, some of your 12 year olds couldn't last for an hour. This is a whole day. And so it says they began to look among their, amongst their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, verse 45, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, Three days. A 12-year-old is roaming the streets of Jerusalem. Three days. They find him. Where do they find him? In the temple courts. Sitting among the teachers. Listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Stop there. That word astonished in the Greek just literally means amazed. They were amazed. 
You know, my son just finished his first season at T-ball. And at his first practice, you know, I knew he could throw a ball. And I was teaching him how to field the ball. But I, I overheard the coaches talking and they were watching him and, and I overheard and they said, man, that kid's gonna be great. And then they came up to me after that practice and they said, man, we just wish all these kids listened like your son. And I can't tell you, I know I'm boasting a little bit about my son, but I can't tell you how proud I was as a dad to sit here and, and hear these words. Many of you have heard these words before. A teacher shows up and says, man, I can't believe how smart your kid is. Or, or a kid's director shows up and says, man, your, your son or your daughter's learning so well. They're talking about God. They're talking about the Bible. They're doing things well. Maybe you've seen them do sports. They've excelled at sports. They've excelled at their jobs. Can any parent attest, man, how great that is? How great it is for them to excel in giftings. But what's even greater is for them to excel in the things that God has ordained them to excel in. That's even greater. To sit here and know that your son or your daughter is not just walking with the Lord, but they're excelling in the giftings that God has given them. Can I take it back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15? Moses says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you. From your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. Now Moses is speaking to the whole nation of Israel, letting them know that a prophet was coming. A prophet that never appeared. And, and they were searching for this prophet. A prophet who would be the spokesman for God, who would relate messages and truth from God to the people of God. And, and, and John the Baptist shows up, and surely John is it. And John's like, that's not me, I'm not that prophet. And here it is, Jesus shows up. And what we're seeing here in this moment in Luke chapter 2 is the beginning of this prophecy being fulfilled. Because the passage said in Deuteronomy 18 that he would be a prophet, meaning that he would be speaking on behalf of God, and that people would be listening to him. And so Jesus at 12 years old is sitting in this, in this temple and he's, and he's teaching and he's answering questions and, and people are astonished. They're amazed at this 12-year-old. They, they, they couldn't believe his responses to their questions. They couldn't believe the scripture that he knew. And Mary's here as a parent who's no doubt, she's for sure saying, man, how blessed I am to have a son who's not just walking with the Lord, but excelling in the things of the Lord. But, but then it, then the page turns a little bit, and here's where we find the burden, right? The, the blessing is there. But then also, being a parent, being a mother, you experience the burdens. It says in verse 48, that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for him. We've been looking. Now, before I get to Jesus' response, I, I, wanna, I want us to understand a few things. And first, that this is a, a glimpse into the future for Mary of what it would look like to be absent physically from her son. Your children, can I remind you, are God's. And as a parent, I know this is hard to understand and hard to grasp, but you are a steward of the things that God gives you your finances, your homes, your cars, but also your children. And Mary would understand that one day, slowly but surely, that Jesus would not be hers anymore, that he would be physically absent. Where was he in this scene? Where was he in this moment? Where he was supposed to be. Meanwhile, you know, they're searching, frantically looking. I don't know if there's anything worse than not knowing where your kid is. 
I mean, you feel like you're a great parent and then in three seconds, you're, you're a failure. Because all it takes is a few seconds where you can't find your kid where every doubt crosses your mind. Every thought crosses your mind. Where is my child? You go from hope to despair in a matter of seconds. Mary would understand the absence that Jesus would have in her life, but she also experiences, and this is kind of a glimpse into everyone's journey, every single person even today, of, of what it would look like to search for Jesus. Because she's here shouting, you know, where's my son, and where is he? Well, look at, the, look at what he says in verse 49. You know, she asked the question in 48. She says, why have you treated us like this? We've been looking for you. In verse 49, Jesus says, why are you searching for me? Could you imagine your son telling you that at 12 years old? Man, if I didn't want to slap somebody as hard as I could at that moment, why are you searching for me, mom? Didn't you know where I'd be? Didn't you know what I'd be doing? I would be in my father's house. In other words, I would be about my father's business. But it goes on to say that they did not, in verse 50, they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, I don't understand what my one-year-old is saying to me, nor do I understand half the time my three-year-old is saying to me, but a 12-year-old who's speaking, who's, who's speaking clear sentences, saying things that a parent simply does not understand. And it would be this moment, it would be that response with the words of Simeon, a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, she would start to experience. Son, where are you? Jesus, where are you at? I mean, they're, they're looking everywhere. Just like you'd be looking all over your house. Jesus, where are you, Jesus? Mom, mom, I'm over here. Dad, I'm over here. Why are you over here? I'm just doing what daddy told me to do. But Jesus, Joseph is your dad. Now they understood that who his father really was, but legally Joseph was his dad. Jesus, Joseph is, what are you telling me? Joseph, Joseph, did you tell him to do that? And Jesus would have to clarify. He said, no, I'm not talking about what Joseph told me to do. I'm talking about what God told me to do. The sword, the pain that a parent would experience when your son or your daughter begins to, to walk in the ways of God. Who knows what that could look like? Who knows where they could be called to? Who knows where they could be, what they could be called to do? Who knows what they could be called to say? Who, who knows where, where, where they would go? But Mary here is experiencing the pain from the sword. It says in verse 50 that they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then it goes on and kind of concludes this story. It says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Anybody thankful for obedient kids? Come on. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And here's something that my dad has prayed over us and we pray over our kids every single day. That Jesus grew in wisdom, grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and with man. I think about the, 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 the phrase that the mother treasured all these things in her heart. You know, moms have this interesting way of knowing everything about everything with your kids. Until they get to like the teenage years and then they start hiding things. I'm not looking forward to those teenage years, by the way. If you have teenagers, help me, help me understand. But at a young age, they, they tell you everything. And they tell you everything that dad does too, right? You know, you know everything. My wife told me the other day, she's like, you know, Judah told me you did and what you said. And I said, what are you talking about? It was just me and Judah. 
And I was like, Judah? Why did you? And I had to bring him over and I told him a valuable lesson. I set him down and I said, Judah, can I tell you something? Not everything daddy does. <laughs> uh, if I make mistakes, if I sin, you know, you better call, call me out. But I'm talking about everything daddy does, you got to tell mom, okay? Uh, it probably was something I was feeding him that I shouldn't have been feeding him. I mean, it's dinner time and I'm giving him like, you know, candy all day, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering from the dental bills, by the way. Uh, but but mothers, mothers know everything. They know every scratch. They know every bump. They know every first word. They remember all the first conversations. They, they remember those things. My wife has like a, a Ziploc bag of like their first haircut. You know, like their first hair. That's disgusting. You know, the hair and, and a book that they'll have for the rest of their life. I think I have that too. What have I done with that hair? Nothing, okay? Um, but mothers know everything. They cherish everything. Men will never understand what it means to be a mother. We'll never know what it's like to have that motherly nature. When your kid falls and they run to dad, that's never the case. They run to mom, right? Because dad's like, get up, you know? I told my kid, he, he got, got hit by a ball. We were playing baseball. And I said, don't rub it. Don't touch it. You can't touch Why can I touch it? You can't. It's the rule in baseball. You can't touch where you got hit, right? You got to be a man. You got to run to first base. And of course, he runs over to mom and he's crying and mom helps him and is there for him, kisses. I don't know how it kissed erases all pain, uh, but I guess it does at a young age. Mothers know it all. I'll tell you what, though, they don't necessarily share it all, though. They keep it in here. They keep it here. And I think about what Mary's experiencing here in this moment, and I guess here's the point I'm trying to make, is that there's blessings, there's burdens in witnessing your children, not just one walking with the Lord, but two, excelling in the things of God. Isn't that incredible to sit here and know that some of your kids are doing, doing amazing things. They're walking with purpose. They're, they're walking with God. And, and I know may, you may be here today and you're like, man, Jacob, I, I just can't relate to that at all. My kids don't want anything to do with me. My kids are far from me. My kids, are, they've, they've left the faith. And so you tell me that it's a joy when they are obedient. Well, it is, right? Psalm, Proverbs 29, verse 3 says, A man who loves bringing, uh, who, who's full of wisdom, brings joy to, their, to the Father. And so you've experienced joy from your kids, right? I know it's not always the case, but this is why we're supposed to pray and beg on behalf of them. Here's the thing, and what I think what Mary understood is that Mary could not be perfect for her son. She couldn't. She's already here in this moment feeling like a failure, like I've lost my kid. And it wasn't just for a minute, it wasn't for a day, it was three days she's lost her kid. Now Jesus wasn't lost, but to Mary he was. And so Mary feels like a, a failure. And now Jesus is like, I'm doing what dad told me to do. And, and Mary's like, Joseph's your dad. I wonder what Joseph's thinking. And, and, and now Jesus starts to do his own thing, but he becomes obedient and then we know the pain that Mary experiences later on, we, we know that, right? We know what Jesus goes through, what she has to witness, what she has to experience with her son, who she loves, is now being beat and flogged and hung up on a tree. Meanwhile, she's there. She's watching all this. Because a mother will always be there in the pain. A mother will always be there in the trials. A mother was, is always gonna be there. And some of you, you've tried to be there in those moments and, 
And it's like, it just doesn't work, Jacob. They, they don't want anything to do with us. Rightfully so, I've done a lot to them. But I love what my dad always says. You know, you know his story a little bit with his mother. It's really hard to love her, but I, I can't forgive her. And I can't call her and I can't show up and I can't be there for her. And so if you're here today, would you hold on to that hope that no matter what you've done, no matter what you said, no matter the mistakes that you've made with your kids, that if you keep praying, you keep, you keep loving, you keep asking God, that hopefully God will, will, will turn it around. Come on. Anybody believe that today? Anybody asking and praying that God will turn, turn them around, that God will turn her around, that they'll just step back into church, that they'll for once just bring home a godly girl. Please, God, that's what I'm asking for. Bring home a godly man, please. I just want them to call me. I just want them to, to say that I'm, that I'm, that I'm needed. I just, I, just, I just want that. But you gotta get them while they're young. Start, start while they're young. I think so many of us, it's so easy just to send them off to church to learn about God, to send them off to private school to learn about God, to, and, and then to expect when they go through hardships or trials that they're gonna come to you to ask for advice when you have sent them off to everywhere else. Start with them when they're young. Ask them a lot of questions. And hope and pray that when you train them up in the ways of the Lord, that they will not depart as they get older. So I don't want to tell you here that you're a failure. I want to tell you that today you can start to succeed and do what God has called you to do. Moms, if, if, if you're doing a great job, can I encourage you to keep, keep going? It'll be worth it. Keep praying. It'll be worth it. Man, I know sometimes you love them and sometimes you want to kill them. Sometimes you feel like you're, you're in an insane asylum. And then other times you feel like you belong in, in a sane asylum, right? Hallelujah. But it's worth it. It's worth it. When you know for, for a fact that one day you will spend eternity with your kids in heaven. Man, I hope that I get to heaven and I see my three little ones and maybe the few more that we may have later on, you know, all trailing with me like little ducks. Just coming to, coming to the gates of heaven with, with mom and dad. Man, I, I pray for that. I pray for that. But that's what mothers are here for. You're not to be perfect. Mary knew she was not perfect. But we are to point them to the one who is perfect. We are to direct them to the one who is perfect. Don't, let, don't, don't expect that somebody else is going to do that. Don't expect that, that grandmother or grandpa is going to do that. Don't expect that their teachers are going to do that. You got to do it. Matter of fact, you get to do it. And I'm thankful for the years and years and years that my mom and my dad walked with us, talked with us, opened up the Bible, 5 a.m. in the morning, taught us about Jesus, corrected us. And I can show you some text messages that mom, my mom has sent me that say, hey, you're not acting like Jesus. You need to correct your speech, correct what you're saying. I'm thankful for those moments. I'm very grateful for that. Because that's what mothers do. They point their kids to Jesus. What they go through, they give up so much so we could have everything. So what do we do in return today? I know we handed out some flowers. Moms, we've got some donuts for you um, after service. They're only for the ladies of the house, by the way. So men, they're not for you. They're for the women in this room. We got some donuts for you. We got a, we got a photo booth we've set up. Take some pictures and enjoy the rest of your day. But what are we to do now? Is that it? We just give them a flower, maybe give them a card. Can I, can I quote um, a pastor by the name of Jensen Franklin? This is what he said, okay? 
couple things right here. Love her unconditionally. Hug her affectionately. Some of you have not hugged your mom in a very long time. Understand her sympathetically. Listen to her attentively. Help her cheerfully. Remember her gratefully. And remind her how much she is needed constantly. One more time, can we honor the moms of this house, the moms watching it online? Would you all stand up to your feet? Very thankful for the moms of this house. We're very thankful for what you do and, how, and who you've been. And, but I, I know that this can be a very uh, bittersweet day for many of us. We're very thankful for the moms that are here, but many of you um, have moms that are not here, no longer here. Moms who you don't have the, the desire to call. Maybe you're a, a soon-to-be mom. Maybe you're a mother uh, like my own wife who's experienced a few miscarriages and it's been some time and you're asking and you're, you're kind of like Sarah, Abraham's wife. You're begging and you're pleading and you're saying, God, I need an act of God. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. And so I wanna pray for, for the moms in this room today. I'm gonna ask the team to kind of lead us in, in, in some worship and then I'll come back up and I'll pray. And, but if you're here, and maybe you're next to your mom and you're next to somebody who is a mother that you know well, you know, maybe put your hand on her and begin to pray for her as we worship and as we sing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Remind us of who you are. Thank you, Father. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Bring us back to that place where we experience you for the very first time. Bring us back to that love that you do so well. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.